my name's Tina Waldrum. Welcome to the show. It's exciting to know that this podcast has helped thousands of people in Australia and around the world to share their faith. To be honest, I've not always been confident to share Jesus and I've made plenty of mistakes. Over the years of mistakes and through some great study, I've become a lot better at personal evangelism or personal witness as Americans may call it. Before we get into this week's episode, can I encourage you to come and join me inside my online course on Mission with God at Home, which is now on sale at 50% off until April 15th. If you've made your mistakes like me, but you still have a heart to share Jesus in ways that people can relate, then come and meet up with me in the course. I know I can help you and we can have a lot of fun doing it together. So go to onmissionwithgod.com for April 15th. Now let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to the Win Win Evangelism podcast. My name's Tina Waldrum and today I'm speaking with Dan Patterson from Questioning Christianity. We're going to talk about explaining Easter to our friends. Fantastic conversation. Welcome to you, Dan. Hey, thanks, Tina. It's great to be on. It is wonderful to have another podcaster, and I want to just encourage everybody to check out questioningchristianity.com because the sound, the picture, Dan, I so appreciate it. So thank you very much. (laughs) I think this techno generation, there's some things that we have to get right if we want to get the message out there. It's very true. It's very true. So let's talk about it. Easter is coming up. Uh, You have an incredible way of explaining many things about Christianity so that people that are searching um, can engage. But really, what do we need to focus on when it comes to Easter time and, and making those things really simple? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and certainly for the Christian calendar, Easter is the highlight. I mean, we love celebrating the incarnation of God at Christmas, but Easter is the real crux of the Christian story, really the cross. Uh, and the focus on how God's love is expressed towards us in hum- as, as his earthly kids, uh, the focus on God's dealing with evil and his desire for justice and the incredible hope that the Easter story gives as well through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, that death does not spell the end of the sentence of reality, but rather just a pause before giving way to eternal life um, that's on on offer there. And so I I think these big themes um, are just a really good way for us to talk about the Easter story with our friends. So Dan, let's think about your friends in your world. So where do you actually start if you're going to talk about Easter and explaining Easter to your friends, because that's what I want to know today. I've got people in my neighborhood. Where would you actually start? Yeah, it's a really good question and appreciate the practical nature of it as well. So a lot of my friends that aren't Christians or maybe are brand new to religious questions as a whole, I think I need to ask some diagnostic questions to see how familiar they are with what Christianity is and what's spelled out at the Easter story. So maybe things like, hey, how familiar are you with Easter? Or have you ever read one of the Gospels where it describes the suffering of Jesus or the Easter story, Good Friday through to Resurrection Sunday? What do you think about the Easter story? These diagnostic questions at least help me know what level of familiarity do they have? What are maybe some of their barriers or hangups? Do they really understand its meaning? And so that would be really my encouragement is find these entry-level questions that first let you know, where is this person coming from? Maybe they had a religious upbringing, went to a Catholic school or a Christian school. Maybe they had a grandma that brought them along to church, but never really made sense. These diagnostic level questions help you figure that out before then focusing. And what do I really want to say and why it's meaningful for me and why you can believe it's true? 
Yeah, that's a great answer. So important to actually to be able to listen to the people in our world and find out where they are actually at before we say anything. Really, that does need to inform our answers. So let's imagine then that um, you have a friend and I have a friend that says, oh, yeah, I kind of I've heard about Easter. I know it's about the, the death of Jesus, but I don't really understand what is even the relevance of that how would you make what how would you respond in a simple way yeah it's a beautiful question and again the the very heart of the christian story focuses in on this easter tale and so i would say that the kind of relevance of the christian story as a whole and of easter in particular is how god deals with evil and how he offers us hope Because to be a Christian is to recognize that God's diagnosis of all of us is that we've been created for good, to have deep and meaningful relationships with God and others, but we've become damaged by evil, that none of us live up to the way of love that we were designed for, that all of us have hurt others with what we've thought or said or done, or the good things we've left undone. And so what Easter represents is God's reckoning with evil, where rather than choosing to hold us accountable for what we've done, instead he offered to condemn evil but by absorbing our penalty, by substituting himself in our place. And so the death of Jesus, it's not just some historical accident. It's not just a brutal political execution. What the Christian story says is that it it is an intentional act of atonement where God works through his justice to be able to condemn evil by condemning Jesus, whilst we as the evildoers can be forgiven and made new through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And so these twin events of Jesus' death and resurrection, it's the costliness of evil. It's God's love for us, even though we commit it. It's God's suffering alongside us to show that he really does care and that he is there. And these themes then give way to this beautiful turning of the tides with the resurrection story, where not only do we know that Jesus was who he claimed to be, proved by his resurrection from the dead, but but God shows us that even our greatest enemy, the terminal diagnosis, of death that all of us have because of sin. Even this can be overturned so that we can have eternal life with him forever. And so that idea of Jesus taking our punishment, but then defeating our death, uh, these are the two great things that I want to communicate with my friends as to the relevance. This really is life or death stuff. If we care about what goes on in the world and justice of the wrongs being set right, and if we care about the people that we've lost to death and and wonder, am I ever going to see them again? Then these two great themes of God bringing about justice through judgment, but also offering hope for resurrection and eternal life through forgiveness. These, I think, are incredibly relevant to everyone alive today. Yeah, beautifully said. And, you know, I think that you have to present the hope side of the equation, don't you? Like we hear a lot of people react against Christianity because they hear a message of judgment or they hear a message of condemnation, but they don't so much hear the hope that you're talking about. So let's talk about that a little bit, how important it is to bring those two. Yeah, I think they they go hand in hand. And, And I think judgment gets a bad rap. You know, as we see what's happening over in the Ukraine right now, the world is crying out for justice 
for someone to step in and bring an end to the evil. When we see heinous acts committed around the world against people, whether we're seeing child abuse or anything along those lines, there is this deep cry for wrongs to be set right and people to be held account. And so the cry for justice is within all of us. It's just difficult when we're all of a sudden the one standing trial. We like to excuse ourselves from the, from uh, from that sort of dock. Um, but uh, you're right to say there is a real need for a focus on hope too, because the story of Christianity, then John three sixteen and seventeen, you know, Jesus came into the world not to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him that instead he's the one that's judged in our place. And so that is an expression of God's love for us and an incredible message of hope when so many people are crying out, how do I know if God really cares, if he's really there? Well, well, the cross is God's answer. He does care. He is there. But also then this, this theme of resurrection. I mean, how many death tolls have we seen in the last few years? You know, as the early COVID waves were hitting in 2020 and people were watching a daily death toll tick over higher and higher of the number of people that breathed their last and then to think, what of the grief or the incredible sense of loss? Now, think of the industries that either try to distract us from death or help us escape it, to transhumanism and uploading our consciousness or the eternal fountain of youth with cosmetics. And all. Like we, we run away from death, but sometimes this grim specter, it hits us in the face. And, and, and what do we do with that? And what the Christian story says is that death is not this dead end, but rather it can give way to eternal life for anyone who believes in Jesus, that the offer of the gospel is immortality, eternal life. Uh, And I just think that's something that resonates deeply with the sense of loss and sometimes meaninglessness that can come alongside the reality of death in the world is to say, actually, no, there is something more. There is an eternity that's on offer. It's been put in uh, in the hopes of every human heart. And the Christian story says, it's not just a wish fulfillment thing. It's real. It's real. And it's proved to be real by the historical resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So I think the hope of the Easter story is incredible. Hope for guilty consciences cleansed. Hope for becoming new creations who are able to be who we were created to be, to live up to that way of love. And then this hope for eternal life that death can give way to standing in the presence of God forever where he'll wipe away every tear. And I think these are incredible messages that we get to be able to offer and extend at Easter time. Yeah, absolutely. I I love your wording just then to offer. And I noticed at the start of our um, recording, you said that you like to use diagnostic questions. So you seem to have a very uh, good way of approaching people and allowing space for questions rather than presenting facts and throwing them at them, but rather creating space for questions. How important do you think open-ended questions are when you're talking with people about explaining Easter? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I think just for God conversations in general, and certainly around Easter, when it's a a cultural moment where people tend to ask them, our ability to ask good questions, I think is indispensable now. Uh, You brought up the question before, what's the relevance of Easter? And I think we need to help people understand the relevance of something before they care whether or not it's real, to lead with the good news before being able to argue that it's true news. Um, So I think questions really help you get to the heart of where a person's coming from, a heart of uh, what presuppositions or assumptions or caricatures of Christianity they may already possess, what hurts they might carry from disappointments with God or with Christians. And if we don't ask questions and we just try and give the same cookie cutter 
response to every single person we meet. I think so often we'll end up sowing on bad soil uh, or just trampling it underfoot in that way. Um, because, you know, when you look at the ministry of Jesus, he asks 307 questions across the four Gospels. And never does he come across an individual person where his response to them is the same. It's always based on asking them questions, on diagnosing the thing that holds them back from being able to lean in and truly trust the God as revealed in Jesus. And uh, and so I think our ability to learn to ask good questions is, is kind of paramount. We have a full one-page kind of excerpt uh, here at Questioning Christianity that we give out to Christians that just say, hey, here are some good conversations. Some of them for digging into where a person's coming from, some maybe for challenging their footing, some for helping to see what they're aware of for the Christian story, some that uh, maybe invite them to share some of their experiences. So just a range of questions that we find helpful for God conversations that, um, yeah, that we can make available too. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, we'll link um, to those in our show notes for people listening today so we can jump on and see what Questioning Christianity is all about and grab some of those resources, Dan. I'm just thinking about some of the people in my world and I'm wondering what type of objections do you see that people are going to or do come up with about the Easter story? Mm, It's a really good one. Uh, And there's probably a number. I mean, it depends on the background of the person. Certainly, uh, if you were to be speaking with someone who's a Muslim, which is the second biggest religious group in the world, they're going to say the atonement makes absolutely no sense. Uh, How is it just that an innocent person die for the sins of the many? If it's just, that means that you have to die uh, for what you do rather than someone else. And so just questioning the justice of the atonement. I think there's secular versions of that where they say it's something akin to cosmic child abuse of the father pouring out his wrath on the son or of scapegoating, uh, which is a famous sort of critique that Christopher Hitchens gave of Christianity, that it's immoral in and of itself. And so the beauty or the logic of the atonement, its ability to really grapple with the human heart and to bring about just outcomes of God condemning evil whilst restoring sinners. How can God be both just and the justifier of sinners? Um, This is definitely something that that we need to kind of think through. I think the other key one really comes at the point of the resurrection, which is how can you really believe in miracles in a scientific age? You know, like the we go to graveyards all the time. And last time I drove past Tuong Cemetery, I didn't see anyone getting up from the grave, right? Dead people stay dead. Uh, and so science disproving miracles or just the kind of incredulity towards the concept of the resurrection of Jesus, that's one that we have to face head on. Uh, is there good evidence to believe that Jesus rose from the dead? So the Christianity, it's not just a good idea, but really is good news. It's an announcement of what happened in history. And that's why the evidence, you know, we said we don't come with facts or figures. Uh, I think sometimes we need percussive force a little bit to say, well, it seems to me that the resurrection there it makes the most sense of the historical data, that there is a resurrection shaped hole in history that we can only really account for the historical sources and the birth of the Christian movement. If Jesus really did rise from the dead, none of the other alternative explanations seem to account for all of the available evidence. And most people, that's surprising to them. They've never heard a presentation of the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus like that. And so I remember giving such a presentation at the University of Queensland up here. It was a number of years ago now. And there was one engineering student who came up to me afterwards and we're discussing it. And he's 
brand newcomer to Christianity, has no religious background. And he said to me, uh, you know what, after hearing you talk, I, I think you're right. I think maybe Jesus did come back from the dead. Maybe miracles happened. Uh, he didn't know what that meant. He wasn't yet a Christian. He wasn't ready to give his heart to the Lord. Um, but he was just convinced by the evidence that, hey, this this seems to be, if what you're saying is true, a really really strong case for the resurrection of Jesus. And so I think those two things, thinking through the logic of the atonement and and, and why we believe that, that God deals justly in that way, uh, and then also the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus. And does science disprove miracles or, or does it merely give the regular backdrop of nature against which we can identify when God intervenes to do something special like a miracle? Um, so those would be two things I think we should be prepared for. Yeah, absolutely. And I've noticed that you've actually done quite a lot of um, podcasting on these topics yourself, which again, I'm going to drop the links in because that it's fantastic stuff. And it's a lot of great resource that we are not, don't have those interviews at Evangelism Australia or trying to produce those. So it's fantastic to be able to, um, see what you're doing and actually point people and show people where they can get some answers for this because really you are great at apologetics and in a world that's really moved the Christian world has moved a long way um, from that Dan and we've lent so much into telling stories and telling our own experience but do you think that there's a halfway measure I feel like we've swung one large way away from apologetics where maybe we don't as Christians we're not so informed on some of these, how we can actually give a defense of our faith? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think that for the most part, we're complex beings and it really depends on the person you're speaking to is what's going to be helpful for them and how the spirit of God wants to work in their life. Some people are more cerebrally oriented and so they need answers. They need it to make sense. They need to be able to follow the logic through and for their heart to be open to embrace it. So the heart cannot receive what the mind rejects as false. For others, they're going to be far more moved by stories, you know, and this, the beauty of Christianity, when you can tell it, explain the big story, not so much through argument and evidence, but just how it speaks to our deepest longings and needs, that's going to be more compelling. And I I tend to try and frame things around explaining the Christian story, around arguing for the Christian story, and then inviting people to step in to the Christian story and a way of tying together that storied element, the evidence element, the human side, uh, and what difference it's really made for me personally. And so I think if we're speaking to people, we need to recognize we're more complex than just a heart that beats or a mind that thinks that we're some mixture of all of these things. And that our, our approach then to being able to frame the gospel helpfully needs to include aspects of all of those things. Yeah. On a personal note, what makes you so passionate about this? Like you're a fantastic example of someone that is can hold this tension really well of being able to give a defense but very passionate about the story and the personal application to your own life what's your background that's informing it oh good question um i mean i grew up with um folks who were christians uh, was born in melbourne and spent the first five years of my life there um we moved up to Brisbane when I was five and I've been here sort of ever since, uh, taking along to church and Sunday school as a youngster. Um, probably didn't really understand what the whole God thing meant. You heard the stories in the Bible and stories about Jesus, but still hadn't figured it all out. Um, when I was nine, we had a big car accident that left my mum with some serious head injuries and brain damage. 
Uh, and that sort of torpedoed a, a childlike belief in God for me. And I struggled with the God question really through my childhood and teenage years from that point. Um, but I came back to explore the Christian story, the Bible, um, when I was 18, for a whole range of reasons. Um, but just came to think that its answers to life's deepest questions, they really did stand up under scrutiny, that they were good news in that uh, it imbues you with a sense of meaning, of purpose, of a love of God, of a way to live, of a hope for the future. There's just so much that uh, that the Christian story offers in it being good news, but that it really was true news too. And the more questions that I had, not being closed down by the Christians around me, but invited to investigate, to explore the evidence, to ask the hard questions, just came to see that it really, really did stack up uh, Truth invites questioning. And so that openness of Christianity to be explored and, and put under the microscope, I've, I've deeply appreciated. But I just find that the gospel, it, it animates you. Uh, I don't know of someone more worthy of believing in or following than Jesus. He lived the most beautiful life that's ever been lived. And he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In other words, if you want to know what God's like, look at me. And I, I find Jesus ultimately compelling, his teaching to be life-giving. And I want others to experience that too. And if Christianity is true, like it is really is life or death stuff, uh, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He came into the world, uh, you know, in John 3, 16, uh, so that whoever believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. This is significant life or death stuff. The reality of God's judgment, the promise of eternal life for those who believe in Jesus. And and so, uh, yeah, I, I want people to know both for how it animates this life and how it gives hope in the next life. And I realize uh, as a, a complex person myself that it's no one dimension that holds you. Uh, if all I do is work out my mind, then... I get really anemic in the rest of my body. But if I only work out my heart and then my mind is unfruitful, we just got to do all of it. Heart, soul, mind, and strength in love of God and worship of who he is. And so, yeah, I've just found that to be a helpful way to frame the Christian story, to help others step into it, to explore their questions. Fantastic answer. Always fascinating to know, you know, how people are raised and why we become, you know, the people we are and how we share our faith is always largely dictated by upbringing so thank you for being honest in that answer Dan let me ask you one more question today there's going to be people listening today thinking oh gosh what if I get a really hard question like I'm going to be sharing I want to be sharing at Easter it's it's Easter this week um what do you say to people that would be feeling nervous about oh what if some one of my mates asks me something really hard about the Easter story as we're chatting this week. Yeah, look, it's totally understandable and I get it. Uh, I mean, all of us have that fear of what if someone stumps me by asking me something I don't know how to respond to. And my encouragement would be don't fluff it. Don't just try and fake your way through an answer that may end up being not true or unhelpful. I think be honest. Say, look, that's a great question. You know, obviously I haven't thought through every angle of things. And so I don't know how to respond to that right now. But you know what? I, I care about that question enough, both to figure it out for myself, but also to, to, to get back to you on it. So do you mind if I go away and, and look into stuff? And I may even send you something because uh, someone might be better at explaining it than me. Uh, it may not be my strong suit. And that, that kind of freedom just takes the pressure off. It's really okay to say, I don't know. 
and then to go away and think about it. And it's a deep expression of love to that person that you take it seriously, that you're not just going to make it up on the spot. You really do think truth matters, but also that you care enough to get back to them. Uh, and, you know, if it's a question that you don't feel capable of answering, even after going and doing some some online research or asking your pastor or someone in the know, uh, it might just be healthy to send them a video of someone else answering it, a John Lennox figure, or we've got a bunch of videos on our QC website of us sort of fumbling our way through many of the hardest questions that you might be asked. And so you can send someone in the video and the benefit of sending them a resource, a book or a video or an article or something like that is that they can disagree with the article without having to disagree with you as their friend or family member. And so it gives a little bit of distance as well, just to be able to have a conversation around that response where they're not critiquing you from the very outset. So it's just maybe a bit helpful in terms of a social capital as well. Brilliant answer. I'm so encouraged by everything you've said today, Dan. I'm going to drop everything into our show notes so that we can connect to all of these wonderful resources that Questioning Christianity has available for us. For me, I'm going to be using this and looking at these resources this Easter. So, Dan, thank you so much for your time. I wish you all the best with everything that you're doing. Thanks so much, Tina. 